and well read. That was really well done. And thanks to everyone else who was willing to participate in a bit of fun. I'm, not, I'm sure Jesus wouldn't mind being portrayed as a sheep, just for that point. <laughs> um, a warm welcome again to you all. Uh, we're almost uh, finishing our, our time of worship this morning. Just going to spend a few moments just uh, sharing a few words and thoughts on the Christmas story. But before I want to do that, just a little thought we'd just do a little quiz this morning. Is that okay? Little little quiz to see how well you know the Christmas story. So I'm going to put some questions up and see see how you go. You kids might want to do this as well. What was the name of the man born on the 25th of December who changed the world as we know it? Who was it? Jesus? It was Isaac Newton. Because he was born on the 25th of December and we don't actually know when Jesus was born. The Bible doesn't actually tell us the date that Jesus was born. We've just chosen this date, and that's why that's what we celebrate. How about this one? How did Mary travel to Bethlehem on Shannon Rax's back? No. Anyone? Comfortably. Uncomfortably, yes. Pregnant and uncomfortable. There's actually no mention of a donkey in the Bible story. Did you know that? But it's probably pretty likely that that was how they travelled because it was a long way to travel and that was the mode of transport. How about this question? Was Mary married when Jesus was born? Yes. You're basing that on the trickiness of these questions, aren't you? Yes, in Matthew's account, if you read it very carefully... The angel appeared to, to Joseph and he was going to divorce her quietly and the angel said, no, go and marry her. And then it said, and, and Joseph did as the angel did and went and married her uh, before they, they travelled. But in Luke's account, they're still engaged. Interesting. How many wise men came to visit Jesus? Yeah. Well, the kids have been taught well. We don't actually know. It just says that there were wise men. There could have been 20 there could have been three, but we know that there were three gifts, and that's why often people assume that there were three wise men because there were three gifts. Next. Did the wise men arrive the night that Jesus was born? No. That's right. They saw the star of when Jesus was born, and the, the distance that they would need to travel would have at least taken two months to get there. Um, and we know that Caesar was talking to them and, and wanting to know about this newborn child, um, and he told them to get rid of all the, the kids under the age of two. So somewhere between two months and two years was when they appeared to Jesus. Who's saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests? Who's saying that? Angels. Well, we just did, sang it a few moments ago, but the angels didn't actually sing they declared uh, and they said that that was what was happening. However, I like to think that when there are lots of angels that they are singing because so often in worship when I hear wonderful heavenly voices it feels like angels are singing. And what animals were present at his birth? Anyone know? Nobody knows. There's actually no mention of any animals in the Jesus story in the Bible. Who turned Jesus away at the inn? 
<laughs> you guys are guessing this. There's again no mention of an innkeeper in the biblical story. It's something that we've um, added to the story. And where was Jesus born? This is the last question. In a stable. In a place where the animals slept. It actually, and this is what I want to talk about this morning, uh, in the biblical story, uh, when the, the Bible translators first translated the Bible, the, the word for the stable is actually the same word that we use for a room in a house, and it wasn't a stable. However, back in those days, uh, animals would come in at night and live in the living room of a, a house because it kept people warm. And in the house was the manger, the feeding trough for um, feeding the livestock that they owned. And therefore, when Jesus was laid in the manger, um, it's just assumed that that must be a stable somewhere separate from the house. The actual word, um, and you might have noticed that um, when Isabel read this morning, it didn't say in, it says guest room. And if you have a modern translation of the Bible, they now say guest room. Uh, in this passage of Scripture, they don't say in. The actual word um, is the Greek word, kataluma. And that is the same word that Jesus uses when he says that he met with the disciples um, to have the Last Supper in the upper room. It's a reception room in a private house. So the way houses were back in uh, ancient Palestine was basically one room. And in that room you slept, in that room you prepared food, in that room you ate, in that room you had your spare clothes, in that room the animals came in at night. It was literally the living room because you lived in it. It was just one room. And either attached at the back of the house or on top of the house quite um, often, this is why it was called the upper room or the guest room, was one room that was separate and set apart for the guests. Uh, back in those times, they were very, uh, hospitality was a huge important thing and people could travel and just come to a town. There was no hotels, but the, they knew that they could just stay at someone's house because there was a guest room. Now, what happened and what was the reason why Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem? There was a census and everyone had to go to their hometowns to register. And so Joseph goes to his hometown and he goes to his family home. And when he gets to his family home, there is no room available because the grannies and the grandpas and the nephews and the aunties and the uncles, they're all there for the census as well. And so the guest room, the reception room, the upper room is full. And because it's full, Mary and Joseph have no place to uh, have their baby. And so what do they do? They go into the living room. They go into the place at night where the animals were brought in, where the animals feed, where they're kept warmth through the body heat of the animals. And they there in, the, in that environment have baby Jesus. And in that room, it would have looked something fairly similar to perhaps this. Um, I was walking the other day and at a kindergarten. This was kind of an area where they'd, they'd come and congregate to have a sing-along or something like that. But in the, in the middle of the home or to the side and lower down and filled with hay, whether it be a hole 
or just a lower level, would have been where the animals could come in at night and where they could, you know, do what animals do, the smelly sort of stuff. And so because they were doing that, that was down lower and then up higher would have been where people slept, out of the muck, out of the smell, out of the animalness of what was was happening. And so when it's the Bible talks about Jesus being laid in a manger and because there was no room in the house, it's because the house is full of family. The house is full of chaos. The house is full of stress. The house is full of everything. And in that, Jesus comes. In that, in the midst of that, Jesus is born. Right in the dirtiest, smelliest, muckiest, yuckiest part of the home. Now, when I think about that and reflect on that, I, I look at what we do with the Christmas story. And I believe that sometimes, and I'm going to invent a word here, we tinselify Christmas. We try and make Christmas more beautiful and more pretty than what the actual story is. The actual story is a humble story, a real story, a messy story of real life and real people and real occurrences of everyday life. And if we try and put Jesus in an inn that is separate from the living quarters, the everyday life, then we're separating Jesus from us. We're separating him from him actually understanding our everyday life and our everyday world. The beautiful thing about the Christmas story is that Jesus wasn't separate in some faraway inn, away from where everyone else was. If he was, he, he might as well have been born in a palace. But that's not the point of Christmas. Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. Do you know, Jesus comes into the very midst of our mess. Jesus comes into the very midst of our struggles, of our relationships, of the noise, of the crying, of the pain. All of that would have been happening that night. Now, sometimes we sing some Christmas carols where no crying Jesus makes or silent night, all is calm. There would have been anything calm or silent about that night. It would have been chaotic and real and noisy and smelly and, and full on. But if we think of our lives a bit like the houses, the houses had a beautiful, set-aside, pristine, pretty place and they had an everyday mucky smelly, kind of grotty place. And I think our lives are a bit like that. I think our lives, we like to have a presentable part of our life. We like to have a pretty part, a part that we'd invite friends and family to, to see, to to show off perhaps, to say, hey, look at how my life is going. Look at these pretty things. Look at how well I'm doing. Look at how well organised I am. Look at how I've got things together. This is the pretty part that I like to show everyone. And we fill our lives with our relationships and people and we show them the pretty, lovely, special parts. But in every single one of us, there's also the grotty part. There's the dirty part. There's the smelly part. Perhaps the parts that we hold secret. Parts that we don't like people to see parts that we're perhaps ashamed of, the parts that are hurtful, the parts that are painful, like childbirth. 
The beautiful thing about the Christmas story is that Jesus sees that there's no space in our prettiness and he chooses to come into the midst of our mess. He chooses to come into the midst of our pain, of our striving, of our chaos, of our relationships, into the very essence of the life that we live and exist. Jesus knows and understands everything you're going through because he's come not into the pretty parts, but he's come into the part of our lives that is dirty and smelly and painful. And he understands it because he lived it. He didn't separate himself and make himself glorious and and separate and all pretty and tinselified. No, it was messy. There was blood, there was animal poo, there was yelling, there was screaming. It was, it was not a nice scene. But Jesus chose to come into that and he chooses to come into that part of your life and to know that part of your life so that he might love you and he might restore you and he might save you and he might give you life and life in all of its abundance. And that's the beauty of the Christmas story. Not that we... We um, tinselify the Christmas story, but that we realise that it's a real story of human existence and human life, and Jesus knows it, and he has come into it and he lives in it, and therefore he knows you and he loves you, and he doesn't care about the mess. He doesn't care about the pain. He's actually come to walk alongside you in all that, and that is the beauty of the Christmas story. So I hope um, the, the little quiz hasn't, hasn't changed your idea of Christmas forever. <laughs> That's not my intention. My intention is that we actually think about the true meaning of what the Christmas story tells us. It's not in the details. It's what the message is about. It's not in, in the exactness of the story. What is the story telling us? The story is telling us that Jesus actually chose to come into our mess into our life and into our pain in order that he might redeem us and save us and give us life. That is the Christmas story. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that that first Christmas night, uh, you didn't, we weren't born in a palace. You weren't born with glory and gold and, and beautiful uh, surroundings. You were born in the realness of life. And because of that, you know us and you can empathise with our existence and the way that we live our lives. Lord, this Christmas day and this Christmas time, Lord, we pray that the reality of you knowing us would be real in every one of our lives. And Lord, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas, that we wouldn't be so interested in the details or the tinsel, but the true meaning of the story that you chose not to come into the pretty parts, but to come into the mess and into the muck of our world. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us, and we just want to worship and honour you this morning. Amen.